this week's Downton Gabby, your funny feminist foul mouth commentary about Downton Abbey. Today we're discussing season five, episode four. I'm Brandi Sperry in Los Angeles. I'm Shannon Bowen in Oakland. And I'm Teresa Schechter in Brooklyn. So let's begin with the controversy this week, guys. There was a lot of Twitter debate about Miss Bunting and the way she acted at dinner. It just went so far. I mean, when she was unrelenting, it's like point is made, time to back down. Yeah, and I think that this is now begging the question, what are they thinking in how they're writing her? She's she's become sort of this horrible villain suddenly, and all of her bad manners is completely overshadowing the amazing things she's doing with Daisy. And I think we need to talk about there's there's an actual act of choice in writing her that way. So why is this happening? Right. I think that's a really good point. And I also think it's it's a choice that doesn't quite make sense. Because if she's a good teacher, then she can tell when someone gets a point and knows to move on. That's how good teachers know that. And by her not noticing that and keep pressing, 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 that doesn't make sense with her being a good teacher. Now, the two sides of her character don't match up at all at this point. And there's, there, was, there was, like, serious um, vitriol on, on the live tweet. It was, it was just sheer hatred. Well, I have a theory that I think that Julian is writing her the way that sexist men think of feminists. You know, they're unrelenting, they're killjoys, you know, they'll never let anybody have a good time ever, and just, you know, unrelenting with their opinions, you know, killing everything for everyone else. And to the point that now feminists are turning against her. And that's really dangerous. Yeah. I think that was happening a lot on Twitter. I mean, I I had defended her in previous episodes. I saw other people we conversed with on there who had also been easier on her being like, okay, now this, this was too far. And I don't think they needed this scene at all. Like, I don't, I feel like the point was made in previous scenes of her difference of opinion. She didn't really express any new opinion. Uh, All it did was create an opportunity to bring Daisy and Mrs. Patmore into the dining room, which was interesting, awkward, but I really liked Daisy's speech, although we Mm -hmm. still could have, we could have heard that in a different context for sure. And I think there's also definitely, we've mentioned before, there's class stuff going on as far as a middle class person with opinions against the aristocracy. It kind of ties in with how the show is being very easy on the Russian aristocracy who's, yeah. that's been overthrown. I, th- I think there's a lot of levels here, and it's just frustrating because I think the actress is compelling, and I think there could have been something really interesting done with Tom and his like torn between two worlds thing, which is very soapy and fun if they had done it that way, and instead it, they've just made it almost unbearable to watch these dinner scenes. Right, and I think you know we are all very well versed in how to analyze media from a feminist lens. And I think so much of when you start noticing things like this as a feminist, you have to say, huh, maybe I'm not upset at the character, but I'm upset at the male writer that's writing this because they're coming with their own preconceived notions of what a woman like this should be like instead of Mary, who has a lot of agency, but isn't being portrayed in this way that we hate her, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, um, you know, I was no fan of Miss Bunting, uh, and I found myself feeling sorry for her (laughs) 
frankly. Not not sorry for Miss Bunting as she exists in the show, but sorry for this character who has been squandered and perverted somehow. So I'm um I don't know, I'm I'm turning a new leaf on the bunting scene. I, I also want to say that um on, on the live tweet, um Heather Marie nineteen seventy-eight, she tweeted that she tweeted I'm starting to think Miss Bunting is some sort of Edwardian performance artist. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that would be awesome, actually. Maybe we need to start a hashtag that's hashtag redeem Miss Bunting. <laughs> yeah, right. Seriously. If she was revealed as some sort of actual rich person in disguise, it wouldn't be the first time we had thought a middle class person was middle class <laughs> and then they turned out to be rich. Mm-hmm. So... And then, you know, it would be incredibly stupid, but I wouldn't put that past Julian either, so. But I think we're all right in assuming that not only is the the storyline bad, but it is also kind of damaging. And I think that just like the handling of the rape storyline last season was quite damaging. And the messages that were coming across on this show, and I think that's really important to say, like, okay, not only is this bad, this is not positive for society at all. And any storyline that makes me want to defend Lord Grantham just irritates me. (laughs) Because I just have to say that, of course, he does know Daisy's name after she, like, married William and William died and all of that. Like, everyone's aware of who Daisy is. He just didn't know what was going on. He didn't know the context of the conversation, who they were talking about. So. And so we've come to this. We're defending Lord Grantham. So you know there's something seriously fucked up about the script. Well, Uh, I have to tell you, I'm shocking myself. I'm defending Cora's intelligence these days, and I don't even know what's happening to myself. You know, this <laughs> storyline has changed so much that I'm like, why am I defending this when I put her down? What is up is down, down is up. Everything is topsy-turvy, and yeah, even on that storyline, I started to feel for Lord Grantham a little bit, because this dude is up in his house again, like, being super obvious about how he wants to bone his wife, and yeah. maybe, or he's gonna burst, like... <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's okay to be upset about. <laughs> the, the visual alone is, is very upsetting, actually, on that. Um. <laughs> I, I will say one last thing about the Miss Bunting that I also was like, why do we have this scene? Like, what is the point? And then there was that scene with Mary and Tom up, you know, on the balcony. And I thought, oh, this is what it's going to be about. They're going to have this really good conversation about choosing someone that maybe your parents didn't expect or you know your private and your public selves and how they conflict and then it was like nothing (laughs) it's like oh you gave entertainment for granny so I was like oh you kind of missed an opportunity to deepen the story there you know Brandy you had a really good tweet um which asked the question has Tom ever actually been the one to invite his own so-called friend to Downton no, she even invited herself the first time she came there, remember, last season? So it's like, he's all—he's content to just run into her in the village for a cup of tea once in a while, guys. Like, stop trying to make tunting happen. It's like a bad, it's like a bad reality show where they're like, no, we're going to keep putting them together, guys. We're going to see what happens. There's got to be another cute middle-class village lady he can fall for. Like, this ship has sailed. Let's... Yeah. Well, no wonder he wants to build those houses. Get more of those ladies in so he's got more to choose from. (laughs) Of course. That makes perfect sense. So let's move on to the other person who kind of uh, 
went a little too far in this episode, and I was alarmed by Tony's reaction to Mary's news that she does not want to get married. Uh, yeah, like, Tony was totally friend-zoned by Mary, or as she puts it, godfather-zoned. Yeah. Nobody wants to be the godfather of your kid after they got rejected. That was the harshest thing she has ever said. Well, it's also, like, pretty harsh that you're having dinner with your other beau and talking about how to break up with him, like, at dinner. It was like, ooh, harsh, Mary. I kind of like it. Well, Mary's harsh, but Tony was was ridiculous. I mean, his reaction, um, you know, like, the idea that Mary, Mary, or no woman could possibly want to have sex with a man unless she was intending to marry them. And and I think the whole Liverpool trip was was an experiment, right? Wasn't Tony pushing that to make Mary sure that it was a good fit? And so he gambled and he lost. And now he's really unhappy about it. I just feel like I've heard his speech come out of so many female characters in a rom-com, a modern rom-com of just like, I thought it's because you love me and we'd be together forever and you lied to me and maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm ugly and terrible, you know, and it was, I kind of loved hearing a dude say it. I just kind of liked it. It was nice hearing him say it, but ultimately he basically like turned into that typical nice guy and called her a slut. Right. If it hadn't veered into that territory and it had just stayed with like his being dumbfounded over the rejection I could have like thought it was a nice gender flip as well but as soon as he was kind of like we're not done here and come along little girl I was like what is happening this is just uh, it doesn't seem like the character we've come to know but I think this is a thing the show kind of does a lot is have a dude turn out to be secretly a little more evil than we thought he was which in theory I'm fine with but like I just I don't want to watch him like now try to blackmail her into marrying him or something like that or he'll sully her reputation I just ugh, I'm I'm really dreading the possibility of that being right go I'm also dreading the possibility that it hasn't been enough weeks to know if she's not pregnant oh god oh right because Anna wasn't there to insert and remove her cervical cap <laughs> We don't know. She didn't take we the instructions. True. Yes, we don't know. That would be very annoying if they went down another like unwanted pregnancy storyline, and then she had to like hide it and secretly give the baby to Anna or something like that. I mean, I don't think Mary would hide it. I think Mary's stronger than Edith, and I think how much longer is Edith gonna hide this? I mean, she's like full on creeper, and she's fallen apart. I think that's the yeah the Edith storyline is becoming troublesome. I think if if so much time hadn't passed between seasons and the baby was still like an infant instead of it, it's been like that kid's like two like you we're out of like postpartum type of thing like she should be more reasonable. It's not like she can't still be upset about the situation, but she should be able to act with reason and she's not doing that and it's it's really disconcerting for me. Well, it's also like what else does she have? I mean, really Nobody really loves her. I mean, and here is this little baby that, you know, could love her. And I, I think she just seems so empty this season. Just so frail and so empty. And it's like, I, I don't know, I get it. But I think she's rejecting people's advances. Like, again, this mm-hmm. like being like the redeeming episode for Lord Grantham. That little scene where she was telling him about the update about Michael, I think he was, that was really like the most compassionate he could have been right. about that. And she just wasn't accepting the the comfort 
Yeah, she never really does. She kind of just pushes it away and um, doesn't want it. And she makes herself quite unlovable, I'm sorry. You guys, maybe she's clinically depressed. <laughs> you think? Yeah. I mean, let's give a little sympathy here. I, no, I have sympathy Therese, for her. I'm, I'm surprised at you. The I know. founder of Team Edith. <laughs> I know. I am I am captain of Team Edith, and I apologize for that. Um, once again, I don't know why her storyline is going off the rails like this, but I'm hoping that there'll be some sort of um, redirection into slightly more normal Edith instead of like her terrorizing and stalking the Druze at every turn. Wait, you know who she needs to talk to? I know we've been talking about Aunt Rosamund, but you know who she really needs to talk to? Mrs. Hughes, the fixer of Downton Abbey. That's who she needs to talk to. She does need to talk to Mrs. Hughes. And Mrs. Hughes has already figured this out, right? We talked about this last week. Mm. We're pretty sure that Mrs. Hughes knows what's going on. She saw the photo. She's heard about, you know, her dalliances over at the farm. Like, I'm sure she's put two and two together. No, but she really needs, she needs a rational, kind-hearted person who is Mrs. Hughes. To come in and say, this is what you need to do. You don't think Rosamond can do it? Don't, don't we need Rosamond to kind of parachute in at some point? She needs to come in, but what is she doing in London? She doesn't seem to have much of a life there. She should just move in. We could use another character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She should just move in. Let's burn down the house in London and move her on in. Come on. Oh, so Edith should go down to London, have another small Set nervous Set the breakdown. house on fire. Like Perfect. She's- she had practice. Now she can do it right this time. Yeah. You know what I realized didn't even make it on the outline because it's such a non-storyline? Shrimpy's divorce. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> Moving on. Well, Shrimpy's divorce is important only in the sense that he has a heart-to-heart with his daughter who asks for uh, carte blanche, basically, and whoever her next boyfriend is going to be. Which, which means... we know she has good taste. <laughs> <laughs> so, so okay, it's not going to be the African-American band leader, uh, but, I mean, it's going to be something. That married dude, she was boning right. a few seasons ago. That's right. So what kind of horrors is she going to? Oh, my to... God. It's going to be one of the Russians. It... <laughs> there you go. It's going to no, but... be one of the Russians. Well, did, did we see a little, little uh, teaser? It looked like in the previews that she uh, met a very dashing-looking young man, so... Yeah. So he can't we'll be see. Russian. <laughs> Probably not as dashing as that dude she made out with when she was pretending to be a maid, but... Oh, God. Oh, we forgot God. about him. <laughs> I mean, she's gotten around in the last couple seasons. Okay, twice. Rose needs to write a book on flirting. Mm-hmm. She would be so great at it. Yeah. I would love it. That would be so great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's get to the hottest romance in Yorkshire, which is Isabel and Lord Merton. I just died. Oh, my I died. Like, it was the most perfectly written proposal for her. Just very rational, but still very sincere and romantic. And then I'm going to give you some time to decide. It was like, she couldn't have asked for a better proposal. That was so perfect for her. Oh, it was so... Beautiful. Can I just quote uh, Dickie Martin for a moment? I state freely and proudly, Isabel, that I've fallen in love with you. And she's worthy of it. She is a worthy woman to be in love with. I mean, like, I feel like people have been so hard on her for so many seasons, but she's so full of life and passion and intelligent and extremely kind. And I mean, hell yeah, he should be in love with her. 
Yeah, I'm already picking out my hat for the wedding. Shannon, are you picking out your sparkly headband? Oh, always, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, after that fashion show. I mean, <laughs> thank you, Julian. Give us what we want. Just give us a fucking fashion show. Thank you. God, how many times do I have to ask for it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was very happy that Isabel does seem to actually be thinking about it. Because I really... I think this could be good for her to have, like, a final chapter in her life that's different from how she envisioned it being. That, you know, she's been so settled in just functioning in the day-to-day ever since Matthew died. But what if you could have an adventure? Go out. Do something besides have tea in the dowager's house. As much as I love that they are BFFs now. Right, because she doesn't go to the hospital anymore. I mean, she's kind of lost a lot of her you know, duties that really made her happy. So I think it would, I think she's worried about like, oh, I have to take care of a house or I have to be a lady, you know, all these things. But it's like, you get to have, you get to talk about a new book on quarantine with the man you love. So just go for it. Could anything be more romantic? Yeah, well, it works for me. Yeah, (laughs) I don't think Lord Merton really cares about putting on airs as a Lord's wife anyway. Right, him being nervous, knocking on her door. Adorbs. Well, she's wearing her gardening hat, her, like, floppy hat. <laughs> it was so adorable. It was just perfect. I mean, you know, every, you know when, when, when they get it right, they really get it right. And that scene was a gem. Mm-hmm. It totally was. And I hope she says yes. Oh, please let this work out. Please, 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 please. Yeah. Well, and... It was interesting, her conversation with the Dowager, it was interesting that, Therese, you said that maybe the Dowager's worried about losing her friend. Yeah, I I feel like they've really played up the friendship between the two of them. It's It's been a very serious part of this season. Mm-hmm. And, and you could see that, you know, she would be very sad. You know, when your girlfriends get married and you're single and you just don't see them as much, you know. Or when they have kids, totally. Right, right. Yeah. I totally get that. Yeah, that she, even though they're kind of uncomfortable friends sometimes, they're they're family to each other. Yeah, they've known each other for 12 years at this point. Think of everything they've been through. And they're the only women at their age, really, within that world. Because all the women are much younger. So, of course, they have a bond. Well, except for Lady Shackleton. Well, yeah. I would love to see more of Lady Shackleton before the season is out, as a small aside. But yeah, the the Violet Isabel evolution of their friendship has been a very under-the-radar but satisfying story. Like, even just the fact that um, Violet would casually introduce her as her cousin with no further explanation, which I'm not so sure is something that would have happened in, say, season two, uh, I thought was great. Like, those little details are things I really appreciate. Yeah, and she took her with her to see the Russians because she was nervous. Yeah, which, guys, I don't know how much more of this poor, poor Russians I can take. I mean, uh, do a little history fact check. The Russian aristocracy basically starved out most of the country while they were dancing in the Winter Palace and having picnics. So, uh, yeah, don't feel that bad for them. Yeah, thank you for saying that because that's been really bugging me that, that we're meant to feel so sorry for their lost empire and you know not not like the bolsheviks were like any sort of piece of birthday cake or anything but well, still. they were they were born out of a real struggle yeah uh, sorry russian lit miner hat um oh, thank you <laughs> excuse me um 
you know, and it's like, sometimes Downton can be so insufferable of like, it's so hard being rich and the world changes and you're not as rich as you used to be. And maybe you can't have two footmen because it's not allowed. Like, shut the fuck up. It's fine. Just deal with electricity and a little bit more social equality. <laughs> Sorry. That's about as... I'll deal with all the sparkly tiaras I can handle, but there's about... I have a limit with that shit. Well, you know, uh, Prince Karagin seems to be pretty clued into what's going on, I have to say. He's not crying for the old Russia. He's resigned to his new life. I mean, he's kind of melancholy about it. I don't blame him. But he seems... Oh, Russians are very melancholy. Again, Russian lit minor hat. <laughs> it's all... It's all despair. But I do still hope that we continue to see the seeds of another senior Roma romance. I don't know if she's going to succeed in getting Shrimpy to find the princess or whatever they're trying to do, and she might be in Asia somewhere. I mean, I, I don't really understand what's going to happen with that and why Shrimpy would magically be able to find her. But um, I really hope we do get to see a little more of Karagin and hopefully not in that fucking Oliver Twist basement again because oh. I can't take it. I can't take it. They have holes in their shoes, Brandy. <laughs> it's so upsetting. I'm surprised we haven't actually seen more bowls of gruel at this time, <laughs> at this point. Like, uh. But I'm worried about Rose because I think she has this idealized view of love that it doesn't matter. Love conquers all, even if you're poor. But if she's like, really identifying with these Russians that much, she's not going to like being poor. Could, could you see Rose ever being poor? I, I can't, personally. We're like Sybil. We could understand. You right. know, she really was an idealist, and she could be pregnant in Ireland and, you know, really poor, and we knew that that, that fed her in a way. But I, with Rose, I, there's a disconnect with reality that worries me sometimes. Well, what did, what did Charles say about her that she thinks normal life is is going dancing and shopping. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, actually, can we just talk about Charles Blake for one moment? One quick Hottie moment. McHottie of Yorkshire? <gasps> yeah. Oh. What did they do, though? I don't remember him being so hot last season. Why I, is he so hot now? I don't know, but he is totally hot. His little, like, expressions to Mary across the room when they spotted each other, I was like, can I get a gift set of this? Come shut, on. Shut the fuck up. It was so hot. It was like, <laughs> oh my god, that man knows how to flirt. Oh yeah, and then we got to meet Mabel Lane Fox, which is Tony's ex, the woman that he threw over for Mary, and I thought she was kind of cool. Oh, I would totally go drinking with her. She sounded so fun. I was like, girl, sit next to me at this thing. Let's make fun of everybody here. It sounded great. Yeah. And uh, by the way, I'm very excited about this. Apparently no other human in the universe is, but um, Julian Ovenden, who plays Charles Blake, is has a, a, a fabulous voice. And I found all these YouTube clips of him singing show tunes. I, I posted it. I posted it on our um Facebook page and on Twitter. So if there is another person in the universe that actually cares about this as I do, it's there. Please, please tweet to us so Therese doesn't feel so alone in this cold, hard world. Please tell her you care. Yeah, please. I would appreciate that. Um, guys, we haven't even we haven't even said congrats to Downton Abbey that they won the SAG Award for Best Drama. Yes! 
Congratulations. I was kind of shocked, but congrats. <laughs> this is their year. I mean, Joanne Froggett won, mm-hmm. and um, the ensemble is winning this year. I don't know. It's because of that fucking rape scene. I know that uh, bothers me. Long. It's like this season right now that's happening right now is so much stronger than last season, so I wish they won for this season, but it's probably too light and fluffy for them. But, I mean... Having romances with women over the age of 50 and developing friendships, that is so rare. It's just like that is way more rare than like some shitty rape storyline, which you can see on a million shows, you know? Mm-hmm. Here, here. And now we have to get like a shitty police procedural to go along with it, which what the fuck is with the Plains Clothesman that was just chilling at Piccadilly Circus? What it's gotta be like a year since Mr. Green died, right? Like, why are the police so up on this case because of one person's random comment? I'm I'm starting to become irate over this. But wait, the bigger question is why did they cast someone so tall? I mean, he was so tall. <laughs> it was just comical. It was like this guy is so much taller than everyone else in this scene. He's so creepy, this policeman. Act casual. <laughs> it was so weird. I mean, was was Anna going to check uh, Bates' shoe shop? <laughs> you know how it was like, everywhere this is going is boring. Can we just end it now? It's, it's so horrible. Um... Someone tweeted, uh, 100% okay with Downton Abbey writers dropping this storyline without resolution. And I retweeted that, and it got the most retweets of anything I um, tweeted. And I think people are all like, yes, just drop it. We don't care. Nobody likes this. And now what? Now Anne is going to be accused of like returning to the scene of her crime and killing him, and she's going to have to go to prison and we'll have to wait for someone to exonerate her by something to do with a pie, like whatever happened last time. <laughs> like, I can't, I can't take it anymore. Hashtag Downton Deja Vu. Totally. Yeah. Come up with something new. I would rather watch 15 full minutes of Daisy trying to solve a math problem, mostly polishing a candlestick. I mean, there's so many things I would rather do. You know, like Edith lurking outside. I mean, there's just so many things I'd rather see someone do than this. Like, just cut it off now. I'd rather watch Carson pouring wine in his special contraption (laughs) by candlelight. You know that took a lot longer than 15 minutes. What was he even doing? He he was decanting wine. uh, and Like through a cheesecloth or something? What the fuck? All the deposits. Yes, because, yeah, wine has little deposits, and when you put it into the decanter, which is how they They serve it. They float to the top. So he's taking them out. Yes. Oh, God, these fucking rich people and their problems. You know what? Those Russians are crying in their sleep, <laughs> wishing they could get that decant wine like they used to get the Winter Palace, and now all they got is holes in their shoes. So I hope he kept the deposits to take down to them and let them suck on. I feel like the title of this podcast should be It's Hard Being Rich. <laughs> Okay, so a couple more downstairs storylines. Another one that is like the fourth time I had to like identify and feel good about Lord Grantham is how nice he was to Mrs. Patmore. Oh, and yeah. how like he was disagreeing with Carson for once. I mean, I, this is another storyline I'm ready to be totally over. 
but I still was just like, what is it? Why is this the Redeem Grantham episode? I don't get it. I'm having a really hard time with how much you're talking about redeeming Lord Grantham. It's weird. <laughs> Are you okay? You the episode fever? was making me feel weird. I know. It totally is. And this, the only redeeming quality of this is that Daisy is going to write Mrs. Patmore the letter. And that is adorable. And they are the cutest, you know, adopted mom-daughter relationship ever. I was so proud of Daisy for, for even going there. The idea that even if it doesn't help, you know, you and Archie, it might help people in the future. Like this idea that the, the voice of all of these small people will actually affect social change. That's an amazing breakthrough for Daisy to have. It's social justice. And yeah. we're, to this day, still trying to unite our voices for change. And it's pretty amazing that she said that. Yeah, this is what happens when you educate the lower classes, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> they make Lord Grantham and other people very uncomfortable. And they make shrill feminists who hate everything. That's right. Exactly. And then there's poor Thomas. Who's trying oh, to to get the gay Thomas. out? It's so upsetting. We're we're pretty we're pretty sure about that. I I feel like like he's definitely injecting some gay be gone or something. This is a problem not just with Downton Abbey but with like a ton of media that decides to use uh, queer characters in historical settings where they just it's just all tragedy all the time and it's like okay I I get that the the social norms were such that it made life very, very hard for a lot of people. But you could also show what some of their friendships could have been like mm -hmm. and like other parts of their lives. And I'm sure there were plenty of clandestine romances going on that would be much more fun to watch than whatever the fuck this is. This has become a very punishing narrative. It really has. And I, my suggestion is that Thomas goes to Berlin because you guys, have you seen Cabaret? Uh-huh. Do you know what's going on there? Tell I, us. I think he would have a fantastic time. Perhaps he and Edith should get together in their Ooh. Don't Pity Us club and take a trip to Germany to fix their lives. <laughs> that would be great. That's, That's a, a brilliant idea. idea. But, you know, with, with, with Thomas, this is, a, you know, again, a recycled storyline because in season one, uh, Mr. Bates goes and buys a brace to fix his limp, to straighten his leg. And, you know, he's, he's like, like in pain and, and collapsing everywhere until, you know, Mrs. Hughes finds him and, you know, says, get rid of this thing. But I feel like this is the same story. Yeah, with Baxter playing the Hughes role. Exactly. And all, I guess ever since Baxter made her confession, now she's like even called to a higher plane of saintliness and has to be like... <laughs> trying to help Thomas even though he hates her and has blackmailed her at every turn. Mm -hmm. But guys, we can't end on that note. Mosley, the, the trials and tribulations of being first footmen. It's hard. It's really hard. Why did they have to take that from him? Why does Mosley, of all people, have to be knocked down a peg? I mean, let him be first footman. He used to be a butler, and then everybody that he's ever served has like died or fired him. He had to crawl his way back into Downton Abbey. I mean, I just don't understand why they're giving him such a hard time. Do you guys watch Parks and Recreation? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, he's the Gary Terry. Yes. Downton. He the is. Gary, oh. Gary Terry. He certainly is. It's exactly what he is. Yep. Yep. He is. He is. He is the one that everyone can 
get all their frustrations out on, and he's just kind of too sweet to ever really lash out and kill everyone. God, but at least Gary Terry Larry is married to Chrissy Brinkley. Can you get yeah, something like that, that in here for Mosley? That's true, actually. I think we'll see a Mosley-Baxter romance by the end of the season. Wait, we're halfway through the season, right? Should we do yeah. some predictions? I mean, that's... Okay, I'm throwing it down. Okay, Mosley throw it down. Mosley-Baxter romance. You know, a chase kiss by the end of the season. Ooh, that would be nice. I would enjoy that. Perhaps Anna and Bates both have to go to prison and they can move into the cottage. <laughs> Wait, do you think they'll both go to prison together? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they'll have to flee the country and it'll just be all <laughs> over. Maybe half the cast will go to Germany at the end of the season. <laughs> Mass exodus to Germany. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you guys have only got a little bit of time before shit's going to hit the fan there, but have fun for a few years. Right, right. Um, and, and what about Charles Blake? You know, you bring him in, you make him so hot. Oh, I think she's going to choose him. I think she's going to choose him in the end, but she's going to dangle him. I'm really, my gut is saying she's going to be pregnant and I, I don't <gasps> no, want, I don't, I, I, I don't, don't agree. I don't think they're going to go there. Great. I think we would have had a hint I don't in this episode. It. I think we would have had a hint now if, if we were going to go there. Okay. All right. Well, I like your theory, so I'm going to go with that. Okay. Um, guys, I'm also going to throw it down. I don't think Tom is going to choose Miss Bunting. No. 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 Because you know what? I think he likes being a businessman. He keeps coming up with these great ideas for this state. And although Lord Grantham kind of, you know, modified the idea, it still was Tom's idea from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And um, he's good at it. And I think he has a lot of purpose. Oh, he fucking loves unrolling and rolling up those plans over and over. <laughs> like, he feels like a man again, like he hasn't since he was underneath the car telling right. Sybil how hot she is. True. Very true. You know, um, I, I'm i going to go way out on a limb and say something's going to happen between Cora and Mr. Bricker. I hope it does because, I mean, and soon, because I can't take much more of the same conversation over and over again. Are you going to burst? I don't want... I'm going to burst, and I don't want him to become sort of ridiculous. I think, you know, he sort of crossed the line in this episode from being, like, this person who was very focused on her and very interesting to all of a sudden just being a little too much. And I would like it if yeah, they pull it gross. back. Pull it back and let it be just, like, delicately sexy instead of so blatant. Ooh, I like that delicately sexy. When they were in the museum together last episode, I I was looking at them thinking, these two seem really good together. She wasn't born into aristocracy, as they point out to her so often. <laughs> and so she I can identify with someone who's not part of that world. Well, I think so much of this season is, even more so than the World War One season, is about Lord Grantham kind of losing everything he holds dear, which is maybe Cora, um, not so much the estate, but if he loses Cora, he will lose the estate because her money funds it. But also, maybe two of his daughters honor. I, I don't know. I think a lot of the conservatism in him is being challenged behind his back more than he even knows. But he won't lose the estate if he loses Cora. Don't forget the entail. Oh, that's right. Right. But they can't, they won't be able to ask her brother for any more money. Well, that's true. Um, I, I just watched all of season one, so that's why I'm so uh, kind of annoyingly versed 
<laughs> what up on the legal issues. <laughs> up on the legal issues. Oh, good. Yes, the the late the late Lord Grantham tied those knots tight. Well, should we do our one fabulous thing? Sure. So, have you guys seen the Honorable Woman? Loved yes. it. Yeah. So I just finally watched it. So the Honorable mm. Woman is on Netflix. It stars Maggie Gyllenhaal as a very wealthy British woman who, um, it's so complicated, but the, the, the series sort of deals with um, Israeli-Palestinian politics, and her family's foundation is sort of in the middle of it uh, in the UK, and it's a real political thriller, and I love her. I love all the political thriller machinations of all the different spies um, doing their spy things. And I love that there are such great roles for women in this Mm, show. Totally. Um, And women with power. Yes. And the story keeps you guessing. It really does till the end. Mm Mm-hmm. It kept me guessing a lot because I didn't know what the fuck was going on half the time. Like, <laughs> I, like, I had a really hard time following this. Well, I okay, don't be it. like Brandy. Don't drink a bottle of wine and then watch it. You have to be kind of sober to watch it. It's, no. it's definitely an intellectual thriller. You cannot check Twitter while you're no, watching it. No, no, no. No, you can't. You have to Absolutely. pay attention. No, I, you I have admit. to only be watching that. No, and that's hard because now it was, it's like... It was hard for me. Yeah. And I would watch the recap and I would be like, okay, this week I'm really going to pay attention. And then I'd get distracted <laughs> and I would be like, I don't know what's happening. No, but it's I, like but a it logic still, problem. It was like still enjoyable anyway because I liked all the characters and I just kind of went with it no matter what. I just kind of trusted in Maggie. Yeah, I mean, it's like a uh, any political spy thriller where there's a lot of stuff going on. You don't know who's telling the truth. You don't know who's lying. You don't know who to trust, as uh, her character reminds us at the beginning of every episode. And uh, and I really enjoyed it. I don't think it's a perfect uh, a perfect series, uh, but there's so much in it that is really fascinating. The performances are great, and the the roles for the women, as I said, are fantastic. Yeah. It's I not think, perfect. I've definitely had a couple of friends criticize its portrayal of Palestinians, but I think it's still it, it's engaging with really interesting issues, and it's nice to see pop culture doing that instead of just pretending that all of the world is just police procedurals and stuff like that. It's a very smart thriller, and she totally deserved the Golden Globe. Okay, so I want to talk about a book I read and this is one of those books where I'm like I can't tell if I loved it and yet I read it in one sitting and I can't stop thinking about it and that's Friendship by Emily Gould and I would love it if you ladies would read it so that we could discuss because it is about like a female friendship and how it goes through trials and tribulations and other people come in and life changes and such I think the problem was is that I identified most with the character the narrative is hardest on (laughs) And most critical of, which <laughs> made it a little hard for me when she sort of like got her comeuppance, and I was like, but, but, <laughs> but she has all the same flaws as me. But um, all in all, I thought it was uh, a really interesting depiction of like late twenties, early thirties friendships and how things change while you're making big, big life decisions. And I just think Emily Gold is a really interesting author, so people should check that out if. It's been out for a few months now. I had to wait to get it from the library, but it's worth worth the wait or worth the hardcover price, I think. I've been wanting to check it out, so that's great. I loved a different book on friendship called um, The Girls of Corona Del Mar, 
it's a smaller book that came out earlier this year um, at the same time as that. And um, I will check that out. Um, I'm also going to talk about a book, but uh, a different type of book. It's a dystopian novel because I love dystopian novels. <laughs> this is the most elegant dystopian novel I have ever read. Um, the way it meshes the past and this future bleak world is really beautiful. And it's a lot about how art is such a core part of humanity. And even if we've lost civilization, we can't give up art because we'll give up what makes us human. Um, because it's set in the future where this crazy flu has killed 99% of the world and our main character is in a traveling band of Shakespearean actors and orchestra. And they go from one kind of bleak town to the next. Um, but it's a lot about holding on to your humanity. And it was really beautiful. And I highly recommend it. Station 11. Um, I read it in the entire flight from here to Miami. I couldn't put it down and I might reread it, which I don't do often. It was really a beautiful tale. So check it out. Well, thank you for listening to another week of Downton Gabby. Please find us on iTunes if you like what you hear. Give us a review. Or if you want to tell us we're loud feminist killjoys, you can do that too. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Tumblr by searching Downton Gabby. And we will be live tweeting this Sunday, even though it will be after the Super Bowl, in yeah. which my team, the Seahawks, are playing. So I might be yeah. a little out of it. Winner West Coast, be patient. Winner lose. West Coast, West Coast. be patient. <laughs> uh, uh, what, yeah. what is a Super Bowl? <laughs> okay, Canadian, you can be quiet now. <laughs> yeah, West Coast, just just be patient. Our our reflexes will be a little dulled. There may be jello shots involved, um, but yeah. we will be there, and we'll be ready to laugh with you at the next episode. You make me feel so young You make me feel so spring has sprung And every time I see you grin I'm such a happy individual The moment that you speak I wanna go play hide and seek I wanna go and bounce the moon Just like a toy balloon